Have you gotten your crack, cracking gear? <laughs> I, I have not gotten my uh, cracking gear. At least not today. I got some earlier uh, a few weeks ago. But I, I, I'm all situated as of now on the cracking gear in in this year of 2020. <laughs> it's it's quite the way to start out our podcast. First one we've had in a while. Uh, it's and been a, while. a lot of sports stuff. Um, and we do it. Uh, not on the day that Seattle gets the NHL team name, nor when the Seahawks start training camp, uh, nor when the NBA bubble begins play, or the MLS is back turn and wraps up. We do it, Femi, on the day that the official Seattle Kraken team store opens up. Well, I mean, that's, I, how, that's how we roll. That's how we've had this planned for uh, for quite some time now. We figured that the best way to do our return to Femi and Ferrari podcast would coincide with the opening of the team store for our nhl squad that'll be here in about 18 months or so so you oh, know, yeah. we, we just thought it would be an important date on the sports calendar um given that we've sure. gone almost four and a half months up until uh this recent time period without sports so might as well go with the apparel launch <laughs> as the relaunch for our podcast <laughs> i d- as you know i did not like the name it's growing on me for one reason, which I think we discussed. It's the logo. The logo is a home run. The anchor yeah. logo is even better than the, the S logo, but I love the S logo. I have an S logo. I'm going to wear that shirt tonight. I got, I got, I finally, finally came in the mail. There you go. But um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I also got the release, the crack and sweatshirt oh. because I love charity, as you know, and Todd Lywicki, um, set it up so that whole stuff that was released the day of 100% of charities uh, 100% goes to charity of the profit to to help homeless kids nice. in Seattle which I was like well, how do you argue with that so seems, seems the, like a, a cause that everyone can get behind yep I've been I've been hockey teamless since the Whalers left Hartford so I'm ready to roll now you can be a, with, you can be a puckhead isn't it? Is yeah. That's what they call themselves, I believe, isn't it? Or the, the Squid Squad. Squid Squad, baby. I like the Squid Squad. Yeah, I'll take that. So, hey, man, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, your show, where, where are we going? Where are we going to do? Oh, my do? gosh. I mean, we could go in a number of different directions. I figured the most uh, common one would be to go in the Seahawk direction. But first of all, yes. I mean, let me just tell you my setup that I have right here at home. Uh, we, are, yeah. we are recording this once again, socially distant. Uh, try to uh-huh. adhere to the guidelines uh, that we have at our workplace. And just to, you know, get through this pandemic that we've been uh, going through in the last uh, five months. I can't even count how many months it's been. I think it's uh-huh. five now. I but, told my wife today, I said, it just seems endless sometimes. <laughs> it it just seems, you know what I mean? Just stop counting the days. I wish there was no calendar so we just wouldn't know what day it was. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree with you, buddy. <laughs> but, you know, right now my setup, uh, I had the two laptops out here. I got my work from my work from home station going on. I got my feet kicked up on a nice ottoman. I'm watching NBA playoff basketball. I mean, think mm. about where we were four months from now, or four months ago, rather, where – Nothing was on. We were watching old games, and now here we are. We got the playoffs going on in the bubble. NHL playoffs are off and running. Major League Baseball is giving us action every night. You know, the Storm, I mean, they lost last night, but, you know, they've been an amazing team so far in the WNBA, the Wubble down in Bradenton, Florida. I mean, we've got so much going on. The MLS is back for real now. Regular season games that are being played this weekend. We got a Cascadia Cup rivalry renewed on sunday with the storm and the timbers i mean mike what more could you want and here we go three weeks away 
the NFL season. I mean, this is it's a sports fan's dream. This is what we were working toward. I mean, it's almost like we went through our own personal training camp, as is the pandemic, to get to this nice ice cream Sunday that we have, hopefully, to end the year 2020, which has been yeah. an awful year for most people, by and large. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but you're right. You know, I, I, I have uh, MLB TV on all the time in the office. And, I mean, today I was just watching the Rays and Blue Jays and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And just, just to have it on. Uh, the, 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 nobody in the crowd – you know, I wish I go to a game and just be a fan, but it doesn't bother me. I'm just glad they're playing. Yeah. You know, I'm playing all the sports. Um, you know, you mentioned so many things and I want to come back to the, to the Seahawks because you've been out there and I really want to get your take on a lot of things. I love the eye you have, uh, for the NFL and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but my gosh, watching the storm and I know <laughs> it's not so everybody's game, <laughs> they're so you know, good. but if people are like, Oh, like women's basketball, if you happen to say that, all I'm saying, give, give that, give this team a chance. Watch them. I mean, it, I mean, they lost last night because I do think a Sue Bird was out, and she yeah. is definitely the straw that stirs the drink. The other time they lost their other game down in the in the wobble, she did not play. And so I think the the big thing is they're playing every other day, and oh, that, yeah. uh, something's going to get to you eventually. But man, I, I was telling, talking to my son about it because a good friend of his is a star player from Mount Sinai basketball, and I said. I mean, we we have technically two players on this team right now that will go down in the history of women's basketball in America, yep. America, not not just the league, but in America as the best to ever play this game. I mean, Sue is already they call her the goat. But what does that make Brianna? It's unbelievable. I mean, she's so young in her career. Did, did you see the play the other night when she say, blocked the shot, saved the ball from going out of bounds, was falling backwards on the baseline? Came back in, started pursuit down the far side of the court away from Sue, got the pass over half court, took one dribble and scored. I mean, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, that play, I think, was just the best example for what yeah. she is and why she was the most valuable player in the league in 2018. You know, she's giving you offense. She's giving you defense, inside game, outside game. Like, yeah. she is just the total package and what you would want to be the foundational piece for any franchise. And, I mean, we're honestly very lucky to have her here in Seattle. Uh, she does great stuff in the community. She obviously yep. does great stuff representing the Stars and Stripes every four years at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's She is a remarkable player. It's a bummer she had to miss last season because, yeah. who knows, we could we might have seen this type of effort last year with the Storm team that still made the playoffs without Stewie and Super. <laughs> yeah. And now here they are with all the – the pieces together and we all wondered how it was going to work out. And this, this depth I think has definitely helped them in these every other day oh. type of settings. And I think yesterday's game, it was almost not only was it Sue Bird out, but it was, it was you know, I, I love the degenerate nation, uh, the sports betting angle of a lot of things. It was a yeah. look ahead spot to tomorrow's game. Cause everyone was hyping up Saturday's game, which will be on Como mm-hmm. against the Las Vegas aces who have the second best record in the league. And it was like, all right, the storm and the aces. Here we go. Could this be a preview of the championship later on in October? So I think it was almost kind of a. They, they almost looked ahead, looked past Indiana right. a little bit, and and they got clipped. And that's what can happen. You know, the other team they're paid professionals as well. But uh, I think we get a bounce back performance. It's a bummer. Sue will be out tomorrow, but uh, yep. but I think we get a bounce back effort from the storm uh, tomorrow afternoon. Definitely, and our, and our former uh, our. 
our friend and former Husky Kelsey Plum not playing this season. Yeah, she would have been bummer, fun to yeah. see with that team because it seemed like she really found herself as a pro. But hey, yeah. to, uh, and I interrupted. I went back. I digress, but it just kind of caught me. The the, the Seahawks. Are, are rolling it seems to be the one kind of normal thing in this month of august that training camp yeah. is taking place right <laughs> i mean you don't have the fans on the berm you don't have the same one-on-one getting a player after practice uh i i certainly know there there are things about that we both miss um but what's it been like you go out there it's a lot different it's a lot more subdued uh, from a standpoint of uh you know people being there um but overall, what's what's the vibe that you get from this team and, and what you're seeing in practice? You know, it feels more regular, just speaking from, like, just the whole atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I, I think Seahawks training camp probably feels a little more regular than other teams' training camp, just because the way Pete Carroll runs his practices, I mean, they are just constantly 100 miles an hour, enthusiasm, just so much excitement just from the team that you almost forget that nobody else is watching except for media members, you know, because a, a big play will happen and everybody will get excited. You got coaches jumping up and down, mm-hmm. yelling, trash talking the offense guys are trash talking the defense and vice versa. And it, it's a lively atmosphere and it's a bummer that the fans aren't able to be there and stuff, and especially with this year with how many fresh faces that they have. I mean, they got an elite player in Jamal Adams. I know a lot of fans are excited about what he can bring to the table But I I think just from a vibe standpoint, it's as normal as it could possibly feel, in my opinion. The only thing Mm -hmm. that isn't normal, like you mentioned, is that usually after practice, we're able to grab a guy or two and pull him off to the side and chat with him. Now we're doing Zoom press conferences before practice and then going out to the VMAC to then watch what they do on the field. But outside of that, I mean, it feels pretty normal. And, you know, they're running around, they're hitting, they're doing what Pete Carroll loves to do. And. You know, it's hard to tell how they look in terms of, wow, do they look good? Do they look bad? Yeah. You know, just because it's a practice and it's hard to gauge it from a practice. You know, it's there's certain teams that have looked awesome in practice and didn't play well. And there's certain teams that look terrible in practice and went on to go win the Super Bowl. You know, it's right. It's it's just very tricky to tell. Um, And unless you have a very, very trained eye, it's hard to kind of decipher what's actually going on in terms of a team perspective. But from an individual perspective. I think there are there have been some guys who have looked good, some guys that you might maybe want a little bit more from. But uh, I mean, I'll let you kind of drive the the the, the bus here, and if you want to ask me whoever has caught yeah. my eye and stuff like that, then we can kind of go from there. Well, I I think um, you know, I, and I look at the the video, um, Russell's being Russell. Yep. Uh, you know, I think DK Metcalf. I, I think what a, what a compliment today from Quentin Dunbar that. Uh, he, he's, he said he looks like Julio Jones, yeah. who I just think is, you know, he's burned the Seahawks quite a bit in the past. Cause it seems like we always play Atlanta every year for whatever reason. Um, you know, that guy is special and, and I love, love watching him. Can't wait to see what he does here in year two, especially since he and Russ kind of had that off season time together. I think that's just huge. Um, but I, I think when you talk about this team and the NFL, is they will often go back to the trenches and games are won in the trenches mm-hmm. and the offensive line is a concern. I think as it is always, always is a concern every year uh, as well as the defensive line. Um, they got to get after the quarterback. Can they win on the perimeters and the, and, and the outside with guy like Jamal Adams? Yeah. But can Jamal Adams, you know, 
go to a three technique and rush the passer and, and do Maybe. that type of stuff. Maybe, yeah, right? Okay, I'm you talking You love the Jets and sack. <laughs> See, maybe I just back myself into a corner. So I think that's probably my my biggest question for you is I I, I kind of have a pretty decent idea of, of what to expect. And, you know, Chris Carson, you know what's going to happen there. You, your linebackers and, and B-Wags and, and KJ and what Jamal Adams can do. And, um, you know, as that secondary matures, you did a nice piece on that. Uh, earlier this week so it's a matter of what does that line look like because yeah I mean Damian Lewis he's going to have his issues right I mean he's going to grow up really fast um, and I don't know who's your center is that, it Posick or is is it Finney that's the big question I, I think that's probably the best place to start you okay. know uh, it's Dwayne Brown yesterday called it the center is that he's the captain of the ship, you know, yeah. either what drives and sets all the line protections, identifies the defensive front, identifies the Mike linebacker, the center, especially in the run game is really who decides what, who's blocking who essentially. Right. And I think given that it's a pandemic that we're kind of going through, it's not the best year to switch out your center. Uh, you know, especially with no preseason games, I would have loved to see the Postic Finney Fuller kind of competition play out over a preseason because we see how the Seahawks like to rotate their guys. I know they said that we don't want people to talk about depth and rotation and stuff like that. Yeah, they don't. We don't. We're not putting this on TV. We're just talking about it, me and you. So you know, yeah. they're they're gonna have to live over there at Seahawks Public Relations Land. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I would say the two practices. It's something that kind of stuck with me yesterday. I went to practice and I saw Ethan Posick getting all of the reps with the number ones. And I, I didn't want to make too much of it. It's something that I noted in my mind. And I was like, okay, let's see what happens here. Because, you know, talking with Paul, our sports photographer, you know, he's like, yeah, they like to rotate a lot. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. true. But, you know, I figured that we'd see less of that since there's no preseason games. And you right. really, like, you need to use every little bit of time you have to get ready for week one. So I was like, all right, I'll wait till I get to practice Friday and see what the order is, the pecking order, in terms of who's getting what during team period. And once again today, it was Ethan Posick getting the lion. And I don't even want to call it the lion's share. He was getting all of the reps with the number one in the team period. So that leads me to believe, I was like, okay, huh. I know Carol likes to talk about competition and, you know, young guys, especially if they can show what they're worth, he's definitely going to err on that side. And the fact that Ethan Posick, and it's not the free agent acquisition in B.J. Finney, who was one of their first signings, so clearly they liked what he could bring to the table. The fact that he's not the one who's getting those first turn reps or they're not even splitting them makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit. Now, I'm not sure what we'll see tomorrow in the mock game, but Mm -hmm. so far, I mean, if somebody was to ask me who's the starting center week one, in 22 days or however many games or days it is against the Atlanta Falcons, I would have to roll with Ethan Posick as being the starting center. Cause even in, sometimes in the number two offensive line, you're seeing Fuller getting more snaps and you're seeing Finney. Finney has actually been working at guard yesterday and today with the number two squad. And I know interior offensive linemen, they have versatility and stuff like that. But I was like, huh, maybe they're just working him to see how much versatility he has. But the fact that he's even been working at guard and not majority center makes me raise my eyebrows just a tad that Ethan Posick 
without a preseason game could be running away with this job. I know it's early in camp. It's only been two weeks or so, but right. it, it looks like it's Postic's job to lose uh, eight practices in. Well, and, and maybe, I mean, there's there some questions with familiarity. He's been around the team longer than, say, if any. He kind of knows what Solari's looking for right away. Uh, mm-hmm. Finney wasn't a starter in Pittsburgh, right? Yep. I mean, he came over. I mean, maybe he's that guy that could kind of be the next Joey Hunt that could play a guard or could be a backup center. Um, I, 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 I did like what Justin Britt did from a command standpoint. You, you've, you've seen some centers just, just be that guy, that, the Jeff Saturdays of sort, that just, you know what yeah. I mean? We're the, we're the commanders right there in the trench. And uh, maybe, you know, Posick, who did that at LSU for the majority of his college career, can really do that, that here. He just needs the chance. I am kind of perplexed, though, and this is such a minor thing. <laughs> He's one of the taller centers I've ever very seen. Tall. You, usually, especially, I mean, you're from Joey Hunt. Last year, right? I mean, he was definitely smaller, smallest guy in the line. It's it, it it's just odd. He seems more of like a, uh, if not a guard, than a tackle. Tackle, uh, yeah. You, you know what I mean, just from from height wise. But um, maybe he's that guy that they've just been kind of saving in their back pocket all along. But you know, you would think. But we, we, I, I once watched watched a game with Brock Hewitt. I don't know if I told you a story. We're in, we're in Philadelphia and he said so much of this game is based on perception and reality of of football and really like what you see on television, you maybe think is what's going on, but really internally what's going on in the team is what is actually going on. But a lot of people just aren't privy to that. We aren't, but you have to kind of look below certain things. Mm -hmm. So I I think what I'm saying here is there's got to be a method or a reason as to what they're doing you know, with, with, with both players, because I am with you on the page. Like I would want my center quarterback uh, working relationship to be at its premium as fast as I can. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know, but we'll, we'll see where we go. Yeah. It's just very interesting because with the limited time, there was no OTAs, there was no mini camp. So you would think that a guy like Postic, if the two players in the Seahawks' eyes, are similar in terms of their ability, that Postman mm-hmm. would have the inside track, given that he's been in the system for right. now. This is, I believe, it's his third year. Yeah. Uh, it, it, with uh, Finney, I mean, any sort of acquisition, usually that guy gets the, the spring to kind of figure things out. But now it's like, all right, you were doing a virtual stuff. But, I mean, sometimes you want to be able to walk through things and actually go through the motions, for lack of a better phrase before getting up to full speed and now he has the unfortunate situation of having to go full speed right away and you know we keep talking about that falcons game but that's really what they're working towards you know yeah like there's no preseason game so i mean you probably have about a week and a half to two weeks of training camp before you get into full-blown preparation for week one of the season to where it's all right no longer just seeing what you got or whatever we are actively game planning for an opponent and at that point, if you don't know what's going on, then you're not going to play. So right. just the mm. fact that it's a free agent sign, and if they want to use him like a Joey Hunt, to me that would be a little disappointing just because you already had Joey Hunt and you could have brought him back for right. much less money than you paid B.J. Finney. Um, so we'll see how they do it. I mean, Finney, Finney could be the starter week one, but as of right now, I would probably say that Postic is the guy that 
has the inside track on that job, uh, barring any injuries or anything like that, the next uh, couple weeks here at camp. But on, on that offensive line point, though, today we did get to see them do individual, the one-on-one drills, O-line, D-line drills, which is my favorite part of any training camp. I mean, yeah. I, th- I think it is the drill that shows it's the most kind of real that you get from an individual standpoint. I mean, the team period is probably the most real from what you'll see on the field come Sundays and stuff. But from an individual period, the online D-line drills are my absolute favorite. I love them when they do them at the senior bowl. I love them when they do them at training camp. It just shows you what type of ability certain guys have. And the matchup that stood out to me today, because they didn't do it yesterday since they didn't have the shoulder pads on, but they did it today once they put the pads on. It was mm-hmm. Damian Lewis, the rookie right guard, against Jaron Reed, and ooh. it was it was a good. I was hyped up for it. I was like, "Ooh, this is really what I want to see here." It's it's too bad that we were kind of up on the berm, high up, because uh, they had kind of intermixed it with team period that we weren't down low. But I'm telling you, this rookie more than held his own in both reps back to back against Reed, and I would say he won them pretty handily against Reed. This kid, Damian Lewis, he could be a find for them. He's a plug and play guy. It looks like it's pretty clear that he's getting all the number one reps in that right guard. And he's a guy, he's big. He's a mauler, uh, a mm-hmm. thickly built individual. I don't know how much in terms of foot speed he has. He's a little quicker than I initially thought, but mainly if he gets his hands on you, it's going to be tough for you to beat him. <laughs> and both times he got his hands on Reed. And Ooh. the second time even Reed lost his footing. And I was like, wow, that guy, like, he's not going to have any trouble with power in the NFL. Now, the quicker guys, like an Aaron Donald or something like that, that I could see definitely giving him some issues. But if you're going to beat Damian Lewis, it's going to have to be with quickness. Because if, if you want to be a, a, an all-out brawl in a phone booth, I, I like my chances with Lewis. Wow. Uh, several things on that uh, thickly built I will take as a compliment when we're talking about football players <laughs> it, it, it is it's, it's a good thing from the interior office of um, that matchup you spoke of today LSU against Alabama yeah so that's a lot, lot going on there a little SEC fight um, of, of two of the premium schools in that conference so that, I'd love to hear something those two are my favorite because it's often where fights start, <laughs> guy, yeah, right? Yeah, didn't po- wasn't Post again in fights with Reed like a couple years ago or so? Yeah, yeah, because they, <laughs> one guy always gets the finger in the helmet and then they don't stop and the other guy pulls back and they get mad. At the, yeah, it's always fun to watch. I mean, you're, you're totally, on any level. And then what, what, what is it? Um, is it called the Oklahoma drill? Is it uh, when – when the, they have the, the circle, the, is it similar to that? Well, the, the circle is not what they did. I know. No, no, no. Reminds the, me of the, that. Circle, right? The circle one is like when they're when they're actually in a physical circle is yeah. the uh, bull in the ring. But I know the ones like where they have the pads kind of laid down on each side. That's the Oklahoma drill where you'll get like two guys. There'll be two defenders. Uh, there'll be two down linemen, two O linemen. Then you get a running back and a linebacker or something like that. Oh, okay. And you get, that's that's the Oklahoma drill when you kind of really get it going. That's I right. don't know if you see that too often at NFL camps, 
That seems like it right. Seems like, yeah, no, I, I doubt it. Yeah, it that, like that, that's, a, that's a college. Yeah. That's a college and below activity. I don't, I don't, know, below, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if the, the, the Oklahoma drill was uh, put into the recent CBA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one might have got, got scrapped out in 2011. <laughs> but, uh, well, my my question on Damian Lewis, I love hearing your perspective on him because from what I've heard and what I've read, they, he definitely is getting the kudos. I know Pete likes him as well. Yep. Um, you know, and, and uh, I love our uh, photographer, Paul, his, his perspective, because he watches a lot of practices, too. And he, he's, he said the thing that jumped out. Here we are, for whatever reason, we're focused on height. He said the thing that jumped out to him about Damian Lewis is that he's short. For yeah. when you look at, well, I said, well, he is an extra shell who's like a giant. And then you have Posick, Posick <laughs> exactly. who's your abnormal tall um, center. So that's going to make him look short. But he is a little, a little shorter. But would you consider him the Puna Ford of the offensive line. <laughs> I wouldn't go that he's that short. Because <laughs> that's what Paul but, said. I'll give but, that credit. Yeah. Paul said that. Yeah, because Puna Ford <laughs> is probably 5'11 on a good day, I think. Right. <laughs> he, he is very short. But yeah. I mean, because Lewis is probably about 6'2 and some change. So, like you mentioned, I mean, Shell, it looks like he's a good 6'7 or so. And then Postic, I believe, is 6'6. Six, six. So, d- if you're 6'2 and change, you're definitely going to look a little shorter. But I'd say he's about because he, I think he was probably about six two three quarters mm-hmm. would be my guess. Um, he look he doesn't look as big as I thought he would be. Uh, he's definitely powerful, but I don't know if it's maybe because they're just wearing shoulder pads, not shoulder pads, and the pants or so, uh, or maybe maybe during quarantine he just maybe decided to cut a little bit of weight to get a little bit right. a little bit more agile than he was in college. But uh, and, and or it could just also be that he's next to bigger offensive linemen in the NFL yeah. versus in college. But he just he doesn't look as big as as I remember from seeing when he was uh, at LSU. But, you know, with the amount of power that he has, if he's able to kind of road grade, which is what they want, they want these powerful offensive linemen who can kind of create some running lanes for, uh, for the ground game to get going. But so far, I mean, there's going to be the mistakes, but at least from what I saw against a pretty decent defensive tackle in Jaron Reed, at least the best that the Seahawks mm-hmm. have to offer – he more than held his own and won the battles, in my opinion, yeah. pretty handedly. Because Fluker was a huge asset as far as running the football. Yep. I mean, maybe not the best pass pro guy, but just a, a mountain of a man, especially when it comes to clearing holes. Never, I, I don't remember what game it was. I think it was a night game down at CenturyLink. And I remember, you know, it's kind of like when, when you're standing down that corner of the field where the Seahawks come out. And like they're on the 20 and for whatever reason, the way the field is, I always feel like that's when you could be closest to the plays for whatever reason. It seems, it, I don't know if it's just the way the stadium is made or, or whatever, cause it's closed. Right. I mean, that it's not where the Hawksness is it's on the other end. And I just remember hearing him stomping his foot coming out of the huddle because they weren't running the ball behind him. And he got out. He got. They ran a play. They went left. Gained like a yard, not even. And he came back to the puddle. It was just demanding. They run the football behind him, and he cleared the hole. They opened the first down. We ended up going to a, a drive, put a drive together, and scored. But I think that's kind of the intangible that maybe a rookie won't have. Yeah. That might take a little bit of time. Like, how do you speak up to that? You know, and and, and he's only going to earn that in camp where he gets in there and says, "Listen, I'm clearing the way here." You know, like, what's it going to take? I mean, Fluke could go in and say because he he's been around a while, right? Yep. So, uh, 
I, I, I love some of those road grader guys. And if he is exactly as you speak of, that's awesome. So I can't, I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah. I think they found something with him. Uh, I mean, obviously he's going to be starting. He'll be the only rookie that's starting. Uh, right. Well, Jordan Brooks, we'll see what happens there. Uh, mm. But that's that, an that interesting we, situation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it definitely is. But uh, he's the only rookie that we for sure know will be starting from what it appears. Um, do we want to stay with the rookies? Do we want to go elsewhere? I mean, we can, I know one, one guy who definitely popped a little bit. Yeah. Alton Robinson. Uh, he popped a little bit yesterday. Maybe I've heard he, good things. Yeah. Made a couple plays behind the line of scrimmage. He looked a little raw in the, the O-line, D-line pass rush drills, but you can see the length. Uh, he's athletic enough. Um, I think he just he just needs a little bit more seasoning before he becomes an effective player that's consistent. But I think that definitely from a talent perspective, they could have found something in a, a third-day guy there with Alton Robinson because he is long and, and kind of has that – Typical yeah. pass rushing type of build from what I, you look I think, for. Yeah, I think on, when he got drafted out of Syracuse and I saw a video, he, to me, didn't look like this dominant defensive end type of guy as far as size goes. But then I started thinking of some dudes who are pretty slippery. And this is totally random, I know, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> You're good. But, but he seemed like – do you remember Simeon Rice? Yeah. He seems very similar build wise, and I know that's kind of weird, going back to like the nineties. No, <laughs> but I mean, there's other guys I'm sure that have come through, you know, that that can get to the quarterback. But I think he's quick. Would you say that? I think he's probably quicker than some bigger dudes that could be on the defensive, and that and he might be able to use that. And there's there's other guy. I mean, Calais Campbell is like a, uh, he is tall, very not tall. necessarily not necessarily gigantic, but he can get to the quarterback. Because as, as tall as he is, he's also pretty quick. So how this guy grows, I mean, he's 6'3". We'll, we'll see, right? Yeah, I think I think he's a little bigger than a Simeon Rice. And, and, okay. and I, I wouldn't say he's as quick as he was. But he right. is, for, for, for the build that he does have, I would say he has pretty good quickness. And I think the, the length, the arm length is really what's going to be his asset, I want to say. Because as a pass rusher, you know, that arm length is very useful in terms of yeah. keeping those guys away from your chest. And I think that that's going to be his main asset as a pass rusher, especially early on when he's still trying to figure out hand usage mm-hmm. and, like, the finer, like, details in terms of uh, getting to the quarterback. But that length, and I think maybe in swatting down uh, passes if he can't get to the quarterback, just, all right, like, you know how J.J. Watt does. I don't want to compare him to yep. J.J. Watt. That would be a wild thing to, to, to make that comparison. But, you know, just in that mold of, like, where you can just, all right, I didn't get to the quarterback, but I know the quarterback's about to throw, so let me put my arms up to then maybe yeah. disrupt the passing lane. And, you know, that's just – it's not equally as good because it's just an incomplete pass, but it's still a pretty good play in preventing uh, progress on the offensive side. So, I, I think yeah. just the key thing for him is to use his length early on as the other stuff kind of comes along – as he continues to try to get better over the next year or so. I kind of call it the Michael Bennett stuff. As far as the younger guys, there's some uh, video. I don't know if you saw it was about three, four years ago. Cause you know, Bennett always went back to Hawaii every year mm-hmm. and he had a gym there. We did a lot of the karate, karate stuff. Oh my a God. Lot of the, the hand movement stuff. And he started getting, you know, Cliff started doing stuff with him. 
And that's a lot. I think a lot of the young guys, they pick up on that eventually. I'm sure it's stuff they work on in college, but to the extent that Michael Bennett did it, I, it, it was just really invaluable for a guy like that. And you know, I'm sure that's got to trickle down at some point from the coaches to a guy like him. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely fun, but if you, if you had to compare him to one guy, and I know you say you don't want to compare him to like a JJ Watt type, but if you had to say, Oh, this, he's exactly like this guy in the NFL right now, who, who would you say Alton Robinson's like? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think who would be kind of in that mold of a, because he's, he's not like the super slim pass rushing guy. So he's kind of okay. like in between that. I think he does have that ability to kind of go inside on maybe like a third down and line up over a guard and maybe use mm-hmm. his quickness against a guard or something like that. Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Uh, yeah. let, let me get and back, we can get let back it play to out, me on right? that one. That, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let that one marinate and see if I can find a good comp for him. I'm going to try and get eyes eyes on him here before we do our next podcast, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to yeah. think of, of, of something. I mean – this this is another crazy wacky thing. Charles Haley in his prime could oh, he develop oh, into something like that? Oh my gosh! I mean that's. <laughs> I mean, if he did, it'd be awesome. I mean, yeah, that that, that is a that would be a heck of a. I'm sure they would love a Hall of Fame defensive end. <laughs> yep. You know, I I met Charles uh, in San Francisco. Oh wow! With he's, his daughter. He's a certified crazy person, I think. Man, he was so nice. <laughs> he was the nicest guy. His daughter was the sweetest could be, and he was so cool. You know, a lot of those old guys, man, when you recognize them, not in a uniform, but just kind of walking, they dig it. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And he was he was definitely moving around slow, like Ronnie Lott. Man, Ronnie Lott doesn't move very fast either. Yeah. And these guys, the 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 bill they pay physically later on in life is for the relentless sport they play is is apparent as they get older. And I respect him for that. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, it's tell a quick story. Uh, yeah. One time my brother and I, we right, we saw Ken Norton Jr. In the Bellevue mall. Uh-huh. Just, you know, we're just, we were at, like, I think it was like a Foot Locker at Champs. And I was like, I was like, Hey, Ken Norton Jr. Right. And he's like, yeah, what's going on? You know, it's like, cause like, yeah. we grew up Cowboys fans, obviously. And then sure. remember, like, in the, he was with those early nineties Cowboys Super Bowl teams. So it's like, it's like, oh yep. man, I remember like growing up, like watching, watching you, and like my like my dad would tell us about you and stuff like that. Like, what's going on? And they, <laughs> it was really nice. And I think there is something yep. to kind of the older guys, especially when they're recognized outside of football settings, that it's like, hey, look at that. Like you know, people yep. still know that that I could play back in the day. But have uh, you have you noticed Ken's pant leg at practice? I have not. Check out his pant leg at practice next time you go. He rolls up. It was right pant leg. <laughs> you know, it's hard for me to get past the the little bucket hat that he's got going. On. Oh yeah, that's yeah. But he, he he, I and I asked him about it, and he says it's kind of like going to work. So when he ha- is on the field coaching he, and during games, the pant leg is rolled up. That's interesting. That's interesting. It is interesting. I'm like of all things, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Yeah. So that's that's very you know all these football coaches they all have their their weird kind of things that they yep. uh, that they latch on to. Um, one of the things that's kind of, I don't know if it's concerning, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. been a little bit of a talk around camp is that Chris Carson has not been at practice the last couple days. And I know at the start of training camp, he was absent taking care of a family matter, right. Um, back home, I believe maybe, I think likely in Georgia where he grew Mm -hmm. up, uh, for much of his, uh, youth, but 
I, I don't I don't think it's time to worry yet. I, I trust that Chris Carson knows what's going on. He's obviously been in the system. Uh, you know, this is now year four for him. I, I he'll be ready. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. But, you know, it's just it, it's you wonder like what's really going on over there back home, and you hope all is well. You know, right. uh, given that whatever they could be going through, and you know, it's just it's just a little like wow, like Chris Carson's not here, and. You know, it's then Penny, you see him, he's at practice, but he's on the pup list. So he's only in Jersey and just kind of taking it in as a spectator. So it's it's really given a lot of opportunity for Carlos Hyde, the free agent acquisition. And then also Travis Homer has gotten mm-hmm. quite a bit of reps with the uh, the number one team. And also DJ Dallas, who I think is, yeah. is, has had a decent little showing here at training camp so far. Uh they, they definitely – I like Homer's toughness. Uh, I think he – I was thinking of this the other day. I wonder how much he learned from that time with Marshawn. How much better is yeah. Homer from, from, from being that other guy with Marshawn Lynch? And even you know, just and, in, and, for and, a few and, weeks. And the games that they were in too. I mean, it's the 49er game, the Eagle game, and then the Packer mm-hmm. game. Like the three biggest games of the season. He was thrown right. into the fire. Yeah. So I, I think he comes back with a whole different perspective and some experience. DJ Dallas is just, you know, he's that rookie running back, right? That's got yep. everything to prove. And, you know, I always say, uh, or people, I like to say when it comes to running backs, that the ones that run with some rage, the ones that keep those legs churning, uh, like like they're mad at the world, like the Chris Carson types, those are guys that are going to, you know, pay off when it's third and one, stuff like that. They're going to help you in those situations. Uh, and, and Carlos Hyde, I mean, I think, oh, Carlos, uh, that guy had an incredible season last year. Yeah, for Houston, very good player with, with twelve hundred yards or something like that. Was it? Wasn't it? Yeah, it he, was, he he went over a thousand for the first time in his career. Yeah, I, hold on, let me go back. Find his um, stats. Yeah, one thousand seventy. My bad. So, I mean, and terrific interview. <laughs> he, he's a he's a good talker. Um, but my my question as I work backwards through the running back core, so if Carson leaves. And if he had to go attend to a family matter and then he comes back, then does he have to go through the four or five days of three or four negative test days before he can get back on the field? You know, I'm not quite certain. You know what I mean? What the policy is, but I'd imagine he'd have to go through some sort of protocol again. I mean, especially if he's he's flying somewhere or whatever. And by all means, but certainly hope everything's okay. For him and his family, whatever he's dealing with, yeah, but obviously um, it must be serious for him. Yeah, and and yeah, who who knows where where he is, or you know, he could be back home. We haven't gotten a chance to speak with uh, Coach Carroll on the matter since uh, it was known that he's been absent since uh, right since Tuesday. But and they said the initial time he was out, they said they told him to take as long as he needs. Yes, and when he came back, as far as the video. I mean, he looked pretty good. Yeah, he, he looked like he looked like Chris Carson, you know, like right, shredded big dude that's athletic yeah. and can run. Like you know, like you know that guy. You don't have to worry about him staying in shape. You no, know? like no, and really with your running back, how much you're right? How much work do they need? Uh, and what is a grind of a season at really a you know tough position? Yeah, if, if, I any, mean, if anything, they're all tough, right? Yeah. I mean, but. Yeah, you, you'd be managing him, if anything, right now, you know, just kind of like, oh, right. Chris, you know, maybe take it easy a little bit, you know, because it's a long season. We want to keep you healthy, something that they haven't been mm-hmm. able to do 
since he's been playing. So it's like we just want to kind of bring you along slowly. So you know, it's you you wonder what's going on, but yeah, like you said, like hopefully everything is uh is as well as it can be and stuff, and he's able to get back with his teammates. But you know, staying with the running backs though, but like yeah. DJ Dallas, it really intrigues me because of the way they use him. And I think it could be maybe they're given a little clues or whatnot, but I mean, he's a, seems like a natural pass catcher. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things that they raved about when they drafted him was his ability in pass protection. So that lends me to believe that, wow, do you have a third down back or a running back in a two minute situation that, you know, you know, he's going to be able to pick up blitzes. You know that you can rely on him to catch those underneath routes DJ Dallas could be carving out a little place for himself uh, once the games start going here in, in a few weeks. Is DJ Dallas the guy the Seahawks always wanted CJ Procise to be? Potentially, but it could potentially be that guy. I know Procise uh, pass protection. I don't know if that was really his thing, but he really, but receiving definitely was a, a an asset of Procise's uh, talent. So. Maybe when he, he could get that. on the field I, I, to actually catch but, a pass. Exactly. <laughs> and I think DJ, DJ Dallas is a little more rugged than, than okay, a pro size. Okay. Pro size right. is like a glider. Like, he, he mm-hmm. was so talented. You know, like, just watching him run was beautiful back oh. on his Notre Dame tape and stuff like that. And it's unfortunate. Or the New England game. Yeah, or the New England. Yeah, you <laughs> saw exactly why the Seahawks hung on to him for so long. Because it's like, oh, right. my gosh, this guy is incredible <laughs> right you know like it's such a graceful like everything looks easy for cj pro size you know and i think i he's, mean he's that pretty, summed it up you're you're totally right on all that like he was he was just so effortless with it, it, he really reminded me of like a matt forte you know like the old mm-hmm. bears running back yeah guess, same number i guess he's not old but you yeah. know but the retired bears running back but it's where it just looks effortless and he's just kind of gliding through like he's like a slalom skier kind of thing mm-hmm. you know just doing his thing dallas is a little more rugged but i think he might be more of carol's philosophy of like a bruising kind of back but then also provides that pass catching ability because you know in, in practice we've seen Hyde drop a, a couple passes but mm-hmm. i haven't seen dallas drop any passes you know and russell really? wilson checks it down to him no problem and you know he, mm-hmm. he tries to make the most of those receptions and uh yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see this the rookie. It's these guys that you draft on day three, and it's like, yeah, okay, maybe we'll get something from them or not. But DJ Dallas, so far, so good, I think. And you know, he doesn't get a lot of the the hype because he's one of those later round draft guys. But uh, so far, I mean, I would not be shocked if he gets some 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 decent amount of snaps once the regular yeah. season starts. I, I think if if I've learned anything about the John Schneider era, is that those guys that are the Day three picks are the guys you should pay attention to, yeah, because they're the impactful players. I mean, going back to the, the thirteen teams and the the Shermans and Chancellors, right? Guys like that. I mean, they they're the ones that, for whatever reason, have that. As Doug Baldwin said, "I don't have a rock on my shoulder; I have a gigantic boulder." You know what I mean? It's a <laughs> so uh, you know guys like that can definitely make a difference. I'm ex- I'm excited to see these guys, but I think that's what kind of adds to it is now, okay, we have to wait even longer to really see these guys do their thing. Yeah. You, you know, which is now, I, I believe, 23 days. We've got 10 days yeah, left. I think in, 20, yeah, 23 so, or 22 days. I'm not uh, sure. I'm yeah, sure. so 10 days left in August, and then 13th is the opener yeah, in Atlanta. So, so 20, 23 days until 
it's going to come so fast. Yeah. Then they can't even go to Waffle House down there. They got to stay at the hotel. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. It's the unfortunate time that we live in. Yep. But yeah, running backs, I thought, looked good. I mean, I, I, it's shocking that we made it this far without talking about Jamal Adams. Uh, but he's, yeah. he's as good as advertised, might be even better. <laughs> you know, like he's, mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you saw him from the, you know, the Jets being your team and just how the type of impact he can make on, uh, on the field. And I mean, the first practice or first, I guess, rep of the padded period on Monday, you mm-hmm. know, he yeah. intercepts Russell Wilson and dashes down the sideline for what would have been a pick six. And, you know, I think right then and there, he just sets a tone on like, hey, this is what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And since then, I mean, you just see that infectious energy, that leadership. And yes. he is excited as all get out. And, you know, definitely worth the uh, the price of admission for the Seahawks, which was two first round picks and then some. I've always thought watching the Jets like I do, and this goes way back to when my grandfather <laughs> and I would watch. Uh, but watching him, I always I always thought, one man wrecking crew, one man wrecking crew. Yeah. Like that guy was so impactful to games for a crappy team <laughs> that I was like, God, if he's ever on a good team, I always thought, you know, he kind of, he could be a, it, that could be the jets if they get rid of that screwball coach. But <laughs> anyways, I, I don't want to go down this road. Um, anyways, I'm glad he's a Seahawk. <laughs> yeah. So for the Seahawks, they can be able to watch him. And I, and I think, I think that that elephant in the room, if we, if we can say, is his gigantic contract that he's going to get. Oh when does that God. get taken care of? How does it get taken care of? How much can they commit while not short, while having learned their lessons from the past that you can't shortchange the rest of the defense or your offensive line to pay one player in the secondary while he can be impactful. You, you, you gotta be responsible financially. Right. So that's, that's why they figure out their money and, and maybe Russell can give some back. <laughs> Donated to the Adams Fund. <laughs> the Adams. <laughs> I'm telling you. There we go. There we go. We have to get something going, man. Donate to the Adams Fund because it will cost a pretty penny to extend him, especially given yeah. how much you gave up for him. That gives Adams a little bit of leverage as well. And those oh, you're on to something. I, I think you've just <laughs> launched the newest Seattle nonprofit. <laughs> the, the Adams Fund. The Adams Fund, man. Sounds good. <laughs> Get Jamal an extension so he stays in Seattle for the foreseeable future. <laughs> oh, my God. That's but, so funny. But, yeah, so, so tomorrow they'll have the mock game. I'm curious to see how they kind of go about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's the preseason game, or is to the best of their ability what will be a preseason game, and I, it appears it'll be live. So I guess those who are there will get to see Seahawks live football as they go up against against themselves. And you know, I think it's a it's it's good that they're doing it since there's no preseason games. But right, I, I wonder how much you can take from it as well, and how much of it will be kind of just a scripted practice team period for the whole time or if it'll actually be like a game where there's referees and they kick off and and do game-like things so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of do it but you know it's we're 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 going through all these weird changes with this coronavirus and trying to work around things and i guess that's just one thing that the nfl teams are gonna have to work around with uh yeah with no ramp up period well with young guys it's probably just a a chance for them to get in there you know, kind of get in the locker room, go over what some of their pregame stuff is like, 
you know, so uh, on game one, they're not totally lost yeah. uh, for the guys that make it right because they come out in groups, you know, the special teams go first and the kickers and the quarterbacks come out and then your receivers and, you know, stuff like that. So maybe it's a it's a good thing they go and just kind of work it out. Uh, and then the second one, middle next week, might be maybe a little more businesslike, yep. you know, uh, as opposed to this one just maybe getting used to things. And, you know, how, how crazy is it, though? That Pete Carroll's talking about having to get his team used to playing. And this, this is just the crazy in an empty stadium. It's insane, right? I mean, usually, what what is the focus in in Carroll practices, especially or anything? Noise, noise, right? Yep. Start the noise, play the music. It's going to be loud as heck in there. We got to, but so now you got to get used to playing in an empty, lifeless stadium. Like that's just bizarre, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, it's and so. the, the announcement that came out earlier this week with at least for the first three games there'll be no fans at CenturyLink Field. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a weird kind of football season. I'm interested to see how it looks playing football with no crowd. I'm sure they'll pump in some some noise. Uh-huh. Uh, some some teams have been alleged to have done that prior to COVID nineteen. <laughs> l- looking at the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this all works out. But, yeah, I mean, it's just another thing that you have to get adjusted to. And I think the team, that's going to be the key, I believe, for the entire season. Is the teams and the organizations who are able to adjust mm-hmm. the, the best will be the teams, I think, that ultimately win. You know, it's like these veteran teams, I think, have an advantage since it's less of a, all right, what are we doing? And more of a, all right, let's game plan. And I think the teams that just – the organizations that are just very buttoned down and have their stuff together, I think we'll be able to kind of navigate this thing and take advantage of teams who just quite frankly, don't have their stuff in order and just kind of have some, some leaks going around or, you know, it's just, it, I think it's very much so going to be these organizations that are the well-respected ones that, you know, have success in this 2020 season. Right. Well, with that, and as you talk about the well-respected, how you have success, how you go about your business, um, with the time we got left, maybe we we talk about the Mariners and how they've been able to, while they're not winning, they seem to have gone about the baseball and the pandemic pretty well. Knock on wood. Yep. They haven't been one of these teams that have had an issue. You've had guys like D. Gordon and Kyle Seeger with a team. I mean, think about it. You have a team loaded with young guys. I could oh, be yeah. playing with fire, but you have a lot of guys that seem to be respecting the process, the team. I mean, for Scott service and just kind of the culture there. I mean, like I said, they've only won what eight games or whatever, but it, it's kind of indicative of what they're doing as an organization that so far, I mean, granted they're about halfway through the 60 game season. They've been able to pull it off and, Let's just face it. They probably would have won a lot more games if their bullpen was significantly better. Oh, my gosh. Because the starting pitching has been, you know, pretty solid. Yep. And, you know, they've been, you know, they're not cranking up the runs, but they're definitely hitting better as as we go. And they, they play some tougher teams. The other game, what, Tuesday night, 26 hits combined with the Dodgers. You know, both teams. That was a great game. Um, but I, I, I think kudos to the Mariners. It's been cool just to – watch baseball and to have that and they have all those uh the cardboard fans um <laughs> i think most of any team kevin martinez with the mariners his marketing career has done a great job uh 
and it's given, you know, it's given people something that I know it's given me a lot to do at night. I certainly appreciate it. <laughs> you know, and I think it's just this Mariners season and the guys who have played well, it really, I think, gives hope for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what more could you say about Kyle Lewis, you know? Like, like he's you know like, I love that kid. Like, I mean, he is the future of the franchise. He right now he is the oh. he is the runaway winner for the AL Rookie of the Year right now. Yeah, like, can't like, touch him. He is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he started out it was offensively, but now he's showing off his defensive potential and oh, stuff. The, with catch, the, great, the great catch he made at Dodger yep. Stadium. I mean, yep. it, it's it's been awesome to see his growth. Evan White, I mean, defensively, seeing that, I mean, good God, that oh, guy has many, many, cleaner. many, many gold gloves in his future. Yeah. Uh, the bat, obviously, it still needs work, and I think he, this is a good chance for him to learn. I mean, he made the jump from double A to, to the big leagues. I mean, that is not easy to yeah. do. And I think as long as he continues to just kind of work on some things, I think the bat can be good enough where that it's justified having him as an everyday player in the lineup because man the glove is something that is serious mm-hmm. oh. and it's it, it's going to be golden for for quite some time i think uh with yep. some of the plays that he's able to make uh there at the at the four spot or the three spot rather i think what happened yesterday is 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 kind of an indication of the youth on that team is that i mean come on clayton kershaw has won three sire awards the guy is incredible. I, I, I would be quivering in my boots if I looked out there and saw that guy about to throw me a fastball. I mean, I mean think about how young but, they were when they first saw the guy. Right. But, you know. I, the only guy really to do anything of significance is the oldest guy in the Mariners team, which was Seager with the home run. Everybody else is seeing this 12-6 curveball that's chin high, then suddenly at their ankles in a matter of moments. <laughs> like, what is going on here? You know what yeah. I mean? You, I, I, you don't see that at Modesto. Right. So, you, you, and you know, you got some of the kids saying, so this is what my grandpa meant when he said Sandy Koufax was the best pitcher. He saw. <laughs> you, you know, so, I mean, the education these guys are getting and, and how they're going about things, um, you know, it is a year of growth and it probably couldn't have happened at a better year. Glad we don't have to suffer through 162 games of learning. Oh my gosh. Um, but, you know, maybe there's the benefit and, you know, with a bullpen, uh, we'll see what Jerry does in the future. I, I don't think Taiwan Walker is going to last uh, past yeah. the trade deadline because he is a guy that I think could could really rise up to that level. He's showing that he's healthy after his arm issues, uh, something that kept him out all last year. So um, I, I think if they get a lot of value in return, probably in picks, I mean, they have like the third best farm system right now in baseball. I think they can get a lot, a lot of picks back for a guy like that. So, yeah, um, I mean, I'd love to see him stay. I think he's a good guy. It's been kind of cool seeing him grow up. I remember when it was him and Paxton and Danny Holton. They were like the big three coming up, uh, and you know they're all gone. But to see Walker come back, uh, and and people like him here, and I think he knows he's liked here. Um, but yeah, it it it's cool that baseball. They got the Rangers in town for the weekend, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens, right? Yeah, no, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth with Taiwan. I was like, man, it'd be like, obviously, the business of baseball and all that stuff. And he's definitely a hot commodity once the, as we approach the deadline here in a couple of weeks. But it, you would love to see him stay on the team. But maybe they can re-sign him in the offseason. Who yep. knows? With yep. him being a free agent and everything. But uh, he's definitely going to be with, the, with these contenders looking for as many arms as they can have. Uh, definitely going to be something that someone that is valued and 
maybe the Mariners can get something good in return, you know, it just yeah. add on to the, to the guys that they have coming up. And, you know, I know like the Kellenics of the world who have been doing good things down oh, in, yeah. in, in Tacoma and, you know, Julio uh, Rodriguez, yeah, yeah Rodriguez, right. a lot of guys to be excited about. And then you know, in the bullpen, I mean, I mean, not in the bullpen, but in the pitching staff, like, the Logan Gilberts, Emerson Hancock, George. Yeah, Kirby. guys that you're not seeing, right? We haven't yeah. even seen any of those guys. Yep. So yep. I, I think next spring training is going to be very exciting for this Mariners team, especially with the young guys kind of becoming the faces of the of the organization. What wouldn't it be weird if you and I go back to spring training? Like we did. I, I wouldn't mind doing that if you want to go. Oh man, I'd love to. <laughs> I, I had, that was the most fun I had. Send the whole sure gang down, you. man. We'll do we'll, that was we'll, fun. We'll do a week down in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> but would it be bizarre to go there and then like be like, wow, what happened between the last time we were here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it will almost be like surreal to really stand was. together doing live shots without a, a mask on. Talking about, I'd be like, "What just happened?" <laughs> you know, it'd be it, it, so weird. It would be very weird. But welcome, I'll tell you that. So, but, well, I, mean, I think that kind of almost wraps up our time here. Yeah, uh, no, because we're gonna get shut off. At, right there goes like the best hour of my week. Thanks, buddy. It was great. It was good. It was it was our return to Femi and Ferrari as we celebrate our return to sports. So. Yeah, you know, uh, had had to give the people something for the Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and and all the nice podcast platforms where we can be found. Yeah, and if is it listen, rate and review? Is that subscribe, what it is? Subscribe, rate and review. There it is. Subscribe. There we go. Uh, that, that, you always that, say that. That's that. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, S S R R. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe we'll get some advertisers and turn this into a cash cow. You never know. <laughs> 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 there you go. Oh, what, what, and uh, what, one quick question: Did you have a Black Panther mask on yesterday? I did. You were the, Kevin you, Tompkins. You were, you were the first person to bring it up. Nobody else at Seahawks. Yeah, brought no, it up. And quite possibly next a, to the Waffle House mask I've seen advertised. That was the strongest mask I've seen in the pandemic. So thank you. It's, yeah, my my brother's mother in law made it for me. So oh. So, one of my favorite movies. It, 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 she said she, she had a bunch of material. She said, I got a Black Panther one. I was like, I want that one for sure. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I got a, yeah. got a Black Panther mask. That was strong. <laughs> you, you, Femi, the clubhouse leader with the mask. <laughs> Love it. There we go. Yeah. You're the only person that's that's mentioned it. It's a little so. things, man. I know it's a little things. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that concludes the episode. Femi and Ferrari. We'll have to start getting back to our our weekly uh, schedule here yes. as we uh, approach fall and we approach a football season. And here we go, Mike. Uh, kickoff is almost here. Right on, man. Good to be back. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye.